0: We'd like to welcome you to Sunday service and uh, those in the temple and, of course, all those online. My name is Nayaswami Bharat, and this is Nayaswami Anandi. And our reading from Rays of the One Light uh, today is How Democratic is Truth. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. We live in an age when people assume that knowledge should be available equally to all. In matters susceptible of judgment by normal common sense, however, everyone knows there are exceptions. Access to a control room for intercontinental missiles is limited by universal consent to a very few. Access to the controls of a passenger airliner is limited to those with the necessary knowledge for operating them and also to those with a proper authorization. If people don't see the disadvantages of making more subtle knowledge universally available, it is only because they are ignorant of the risks involved. In the case of subtle knowledge, the main disadvantage in making it universally available is the harm it might do to one who isn't ready for it and who might even mock it. True, by mocking truth, he might undermine the faith of a few true seekers. But then, such tests can also be beneficial as a means of strengthening faith. Again true, the clever doubters' misrepresentation of those truths may dissuade a few seekers from following the spiritual path, But if a seeker really is sincere, he will recognize the truth eventually because it resonates with his own being. No, the greatest problem accrues to the shallow doubter himself. To give him an opportunity to affirm his ignorance might only estrange him uh, even more from the truth, delaying the time when he will turn, as all people must, eventually to the light. Thus, the scriptures advise not secrecy, but discretion in the sharing of truth. Jesus Christ says in the Gospels of Saint Matthew, chapter seven, "'Give not that which is holy unto dogs, "'neither cast ye your pearls before swine, "'lest they trample them under their feet, "'and turn again and rend you.'" And Sri Krishna says in the 18th chapter, of the Bhagavad Gita: Never speak of these truths to one who is without self-control or devotion, who renders no service, and does not care to hear, or who speaks ill of me. Thus, through holy scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh. Welcome,
1: everyone. We'll begin with a reading from Whispers from Eternity. As you know, book of beautiful prayers and poems by Paramahansa Yogananda. This prayer is called, The Caravan of My Prayer is Moving Toward Thee. The caravan of my prayers is moving toward thee. In the eyes of kindness, I behold glimmers of thy mercy. The caravan of my prayers has been working its way slowly through dry wastes of arid doubts and furious sandstorms of despondency. Yet, at last, far off glimpses of thy oasis of silent assurance have roused me in my drooping efforts eagerly I await the moment when I can dip into thy revivifying water, my parched, thirsty lips of faith, and there drink deeply from thy well of bliss. I thought we could enjoy hearing about uh, wells of bliss during this dry time at Ananda. So this morning's topic, how democratic is truth, features that famous line in the Bible, cast not your pearls before swine, lest they turn and rend you, Um, trample them and turn and rend you. And uh, it sounds a little harsh, but that's not the way I imagine it. I imagine Jesus sitting by the campfire and the disciples coming back at the end of a rough day They've been up against the scribes and Pharisees all day, trying to argue scriptural truth with them. And as they come sort of sagging into the campfire, Jesus tries to cheer them up with this vivid imagery. And it's uh, an image that um, I think all of us have experienced. I won't call our family and friends swine. I don't think that's appropriate. but. <laughs> We have experience trying to share our spiritual enthusiasm with people are, who are totally not interested in it. I remember this morning an experience. that must have been from 19, probably seventy-three or something like that. My, uh, one of my best friends from high school had driven to the West Coast with her husband in a motor home, And they came out to visit me for a couple of days. And uh, Ananda in those days was, um, on the visual, on the outer level, let's just say on an inner level, it was fabulous. On an outer level, it was not too impressive. It was summer, and so everything, there were no lawns anywhere. It was all brown. There weren't as many trees as there are now. Um, the, all the buildings were pretty decrepit, and we didn't look so good either. I remember vividly the, the discussion we had, and I was, I remember what I was wearing. It was one of my thrift store finds that all I can say is it seemed like a good idea at the time. And I was sitting with my friend from high school and I was trying to explain to her why I was in this God, what seemed to be a God Godforsake, godforsaken place. And I was explaining that, you know, Shannon, in this world, people just aren't happy. They're, they're looking for more and they just aren't finding it. And I was kind of going on in this way. And she had tears coming down her eyes, and I never knew what were those tears about. (laughs) Were those tears because I was really moving her with my rhetoric, or more likely, were those tears because she was so sad that I'd gone completely off the deep end? So I'm afraid I'll never know, actually. But... We've had that experience. I think most of us already know this concept. You don't try to push your enthusiasm on, on people who just really aren't into it. So this morning, I didn't want to focus too much on that. Because as I say, we, we know from our personal experience. And if you haven't discovered it for yourself, you probably think you can still convert some of your friends and you'll need to try it out and discover for yourself. But, What I did want to talk about instead was that I think think there are a lot of people now that are having a rough time. Um, uh, And, you know, um, you could say, well, it could be dry weather, smoke, threat of fire, um, uh, virus, social distancing, you know, a few things like that. Or it could be that during this time when all those things are happening, maya, delusion, uh, or you could call it Satan, are trying to jump on our vulnerabilities. It's a good time. People are not at their you know, they're fighting hard to keep their energy up. And now's a good time to see if some problems can stir up. And so rather than talk about why we shouldn't throw our pearls before swine, I want to reassure us that we ourselves are not swine. Even though maybe your meditations aren't going as great and you're wondering, is there a reason God's not sending you reassurance? It's not because of being a swine. It's because we're being tested. And I wanted to share some things that Master and Swami have said by way of reassurance. This past... Um, week, I was talking with a friend who, um, unbeknownst to her, was giving me two important parts of uh, my talk that I want to share with you. Um, We, as people who meditate, and we're serious about Kriya Yoga, and we hear so often about the importance of what we're doing, when our meditation isn't at its best, we can think ill of ourselves, and grow discouraged, and that's a good fodder for negative forces in our life because discouragement is the very most powerful weapon that maya can use against us because it makes us just want to give up. And so I wanted to read this wonderful quotation from Conversations with Yogananda. Do not be anxious if you don't have meditative experiences Don't even be anxious about such fruits of meditation as inner joy and peace. Everything will come in God's time. Meanwhile, consider meditation too as a form of karma yoga, action without desire for the fruits of action. Meditate above all to please God, not yourself. Every sincere effort is registered in the divine consciousness. This is a very wonderful statement. Every sincere effort is registered in the divine consciousness. Your duty as a devotee is to accept whatever he sends you, and for that matter, whatever he doesn't send. God alone knows what past karma keeps you from perceiving him right now. He may want you to finish up your karma in this life before he gives you eternal bliss in him. So that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Eternal bliss in him. And in addition, then in the book, um, A Place Called Ananda, Swami says something that's quite important to remember. Because I think all of us think, oh, so much to do, so much outwardness, if only I could be quiet, focus only on God. And this is what Swami says. This was written in the 20th century. So that's why he talks about the 20th century. For those whose karma it is to be yogis in this lifetime, to have been born in America in the 20th century is an extraordinary spiritual opportunity. But it is also fraught with spiritual peril. Those who make the most of this opportunity will gain spiritually out of all proportion to other lives they have lived in mountain caves and ashrams in India." And another time that I, I, I remember vividly, but not, I'm sure that's totally precise, but I remember Swami talking about a, a person who did past life readings with people. And they asked people who were incarnating now why they were incarnating. And people said, well, I'm incarnating now because I know it's going to be a very difficult time in history. And I know it's going to be a time to make tremendous spiritual progress. So this is the soul speaking. The soul knows what to expect. And our souls knew what to expect coming into this lifetime. So we just want to realize that God knows exactly what's happening and the guru knows exactly where we are and exactly what we need to take us to the commitment that we've made. We didn't come into this life and say, well, I'm going to do this path so that I have a lot of nice meditations and I think I'm really spiritual. We came into this life saying, I came here to be free. I, I'm ready to go. I, I want to I want to get rid of that which is obstructing me from self-realization. And so, that's what Master's doing. He's helping us that way. I was thinking recently about the mind being like a seesaw. And that sometimes the mind is sloping down like the heavy person on the seesaw, and all of our thoughts are going in a negative direction. Perhaps self-criticism, perhaps criticism of others or negativity, whatever. And then sometimes the mind is level and calm and at peace. And other times the mind is pointing upward, like the light end of the seesaw, where our thoughts are, are moving toward positivity and God reminding thoughts and seeing positivity and hope around us. And we want to be working with our mind because it's, it can easily shift. Now, this image came to me vividly uh, recently because my mind was on that side. It was on the downhill slope, and self criticism and uh, negative thoughts were just kind of coming. And it literally took me two or three days to notice what was happening. I just, you know, they were, sounded logical, sounded important, sounded like something that needed to be thought about. Down, down, down. And then finally I went, whoa, what's happening? This is not going to lead toward anything positive. This cannot work. It it is not a solution to life. And at that time, just that day, I happened upon something that I've read many times, and I think most everyone here has read. It's one of my favorite things that Yogananda wrote. It's a letter from master to a disciple. And it it begins, you must never lose courage. Divine Mother sent me to pilot you out of the clouds of your mind. And then it goes on to say, overcome all by constant inward calling on God. Overcome all by constant inward calling on God and devotion, and utmost devotion in words, thought, actions, and obedience to guru. And the part, I mean, I've read this letter so many times, and yet those words overcome all by constant inward calling on God felt like the answer to exactly what I needed. And so I began to do that. And what constant inward calling on God doesn't mean, is it doesn't mean, God, please help me with my blah, 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 or please fix this situation, you know, blah, blah, blah. It means calling on God, as in Om Guru, as in God, as in Guru, I love you, as in just directing your mind toward God. And that's what I began to do with a lot of fervor. And very, very quickly, everything changed around. And what had seemed like a big deal before was no longer a big deal. Nothing changed except my consciousness. And that's why Lahiri says, you know, Kriya Yoga is the answer to all your problems because when our consciousness changes half our problems go away And the other half are just easily solved. So working on this has been very, very important and very, very helpful. Um, Many years ago, a woman came as a guest to the Expanding Light and wanted to go over a problem she was having. And so we talked. And the problem was that she worked with another person who she felt was taking advantage of her materially. uh, in an unfair way. And so she, she didn't know what to do. She tried talking about it, nothing worked. And she was, she was very, very frustrated and upset. And so the only answer that came to me was, why don't you start saying to yourself, because this woman was a devotee, a serious devotee. I said, start saying to yourself, God is stronger than this problem. And this problem had been going on for two years. Two days later, I got a phone call from this woman. And she said, you won't believe this. This person just knocked on my door and said, we need to talk. I'm so sorry for the way I've been treating you. So this is powerful stuff. It's not just nice, Okay, that's not going to deal with the real issues. The real issues are our consciousness. I was listening this week to a talk by Swami Kriyananda. And I, again, I recommend it very, very highly. It was a talk he gave on the 54th anniversary of his discipleship initiation. So it was September 12, 2002. And he was talking to us, and he just, he was in a very heartfelt mood. And he just said, and I, I sort of felt he didn't know what he was going to say until he said it. He said, the secret of discipleship, and then boom, he said, is just getting yourself out of the way and asking to be a channel of master's light. Getting yourself out of the way and asking to be a channel of master's light, It, it, it to me, it, it just was such a... a, a potentially just a tremendous, tremendous power to it. Because what is our obstacle? Our obstacle is that our soul is identified with the body. And as long as our soul is identified with the body, we're going to have problems. We're going to not be feeling so great. And if we can literally just shift our thinking to the guru, ask to be a channel of light. He, he said several times, he said, you're just not that important. You know, just, you just aren't that important. And I, I thought about it, and I thought, yes. Master says we've been around three to five million lives in a human level, which I was thinking about this morning. I thought, there's a big difference between three million and five million. Like one is almost like twice as long as the other, and I hope that we were on the... Three million <laughs> instead of five million. But anyway, still think about how many millions of lives your soul has been incarnating and now for these eighty or ninety or however many years I'm I'm a Nandi. Okay, so I have this quality and that quality and this strength and that weakness and mm, these preferences and you know these obstacles in my life and blah blah blah. And what difference does it make? I'm only here for a very short time. And during that short time, I have a guru. And I can focus my consciousness 100% on asking to be a channel of his light. So it, it, it breaks open the whole problem of when we get to that deadly question, I wonder how I'm doing spiritually. We don't want to be asking that question. Because when we ask that question, we're going to get trapped in one of two ways. We're going to say, oh, well, I'm doing great. I am, really, I am really on it. And now that's actually not something you hear very often at Ananda. But the other one is equally deadly, is to say, oh, I don't know. I mean, my meditation, I don't concentrate that well. I haven't seen the light. I'm not merging in OM. We, we get lost in, in things that really don't help us. So asking that question, we don't have to ask it. All we have to say is, how can I be a channel of light? It does, and Swami said, I don't care what you do. You know, I don't want people to do what I do. I don't care what you do. I just want you to love God. That's all I care about. And that's the only reason I'm here. And that's the only thing I have to tell you. So some of us may have very dramatic ways that God is asking us to serve, and some of us may not be sure what our way is to serve. And maybe we are, even our bodies are ill, and we don't feel like we even have that much energy to serve. And yet still the answer is there. Asking to be a channel of light and just being a channel of light. That's all you have to do, sitting in your chair, being a channel of light, or running the community, being a channel of light, is just the goal. And to get out of wondering, How am I doing? What's going to happen? Who am I going to be? Am I going to get liberated? Whatever. Doesn't matter. Just ask to be a channel of Guru's light and everything will happen that needs to happen. I was quite struck this week. Actually, we know Swami Kriyananda has said that um, his greatest obstacle in this lifetime was self-doubt. And it's certainly what you see throughout Ananda, I have to say. Whenever anybody wants to talk, it's never, I'm too good for this place. You know, my meditations are so easy. Could you give me some higher techniques? It's always, I don't know how I'm doing, you know, it's self-doubt. And I was reading, in my rereading of the autobiography of a yogi, as we were recommended to do this in a renewal week, um, I was at the part, and I, I I know I've read it, I remember it, and yet the implications were just not, reverberating through my mind the way they were when I read it uh, yesterday. Master, this is when he comes back to visit India in 1935 and 36, primarily to see his guru, before his guru's passing. And uh, he's having one of his last meetings with Sri Yukteswar. And he comes with a bouquet of flowers. And he said Sri Yukteswar, like he's looking at the door trying to think, how can I get out of here? And Master says, you know, Master, I came to you when I was a high school student. Now I'm a grown man. I even have a couple of gray hairs. And in all that time, you've only once said to me that you love me. And Sri Yukteswar is just looking like he just wants to go through the floor. And Yogananda said, won't you, I know, he said, I know you love me, but won't you please say it? My ears long to hear it. And Sri Yukteswar explains why that's not something he wants to do and then he goes on to very, very beautifully express his love for Yogananda. And Yogananda's response was, you've just given me my passport to heaven. He said, a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. And then this is the most amazing part. He said, even though I knew that he loved me, I always worried that in some way, I had not fully satisfied my guru. I just thought, oh, no, oh, no. It was so touching, because throughout the Autobiography of a Yogi, we see that our masters, from from Yogananda to Sri Yukteswar to Lahiri, at various times, they, they demonstrate for us the various pitfalls that the disciple can get into. You know, they they um, get their feelings hurt or they invite uh, Babaji's help when they don't really need it. and You know, different things that go on and they get reprimanded and so forth. But here Master is saying, demonstrating for us, for our benefit, that same self-doubt. And I thought, hmm, well, for those of us who've that, <clears throat> we, come by it <clears throat> we come by it honestly, as they say, with, with, both, with both Master and Swami having that same issue. But the answer to it is what Swami said. We're really not that important. Who we are in this lifetime, this ego, very short-lived. The Masters have the light. They have the wisdom, let's ask that they flow through us. He, I think it was in that talk, perhaps not, but at some point, he told the story of a disciple of Lahiri Mahashai. And this man came as a disciple, and many other people came as disciples, and they would get initiation from Lahiri and Kriya Yoga, and of course, this is what this man wanted. And yet, eight years went by, and Lahiri, Never gave him initiation. And then, um, on his, you know, in the eighth year, he gave him initiation. And the first time the man practiced Kriya Yoga, he went into cosmic consciousness. Now, that in itself is, is pretty interesting. But Swami's comment was very interesting also. He said, perhaps that man, like why was the story like it was? And he said, perhaps that man had in past lives felt he was being treated unfairly or felt he was being mistreated. And in this life, he had to overcome that. Isn't that important to hear? Why wait? We better not hold on to that now, because if we don't get rid of that um, attitude, we're going to have to figure it out in a future lifetime. So this, these two secrets, I guess, that I want to leave us with. The first is overcome all by constant inward calling on God. And the other is this idea of just get yourselves out of the way. Get, our, get myself out of the way. Get us all out of the way. And let's just see. ask God, how can I be a channel of your light? It doesn't matter what we give. It's just that we give it. As Krishna said in the Bible, in the Bhagavad Gita, even a leaf If offered with devotion. He receives it gratefully. This is what God wants from us. He He wants our love. He wants our effort. He wants us to reach. And in this time that we're living in, we have to reach. We have to reach to lift our consciousness. And even though our gift may seem small, it's very, very, very important. And God and Guru treasure that. So let's just take a moment and meditate on this.